Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. On today's episode, the NBA playoffs, they have begun, so we're going to get you primed and get you ready. So I'm bringing back my hoops honchos to talk a little hoops today. Coming up, our first co-host, he's here to give us the breakdown, the defensive analysis from the Denver Nuggets and Utah Jazz game. It's Mike Choi. Joey, the only thing hotter than this bubble NBA scoring is the temperature. Good God. Good we're, God. We're three boys baking in the California sun today. Uh, Choi is sleeveless right now. I'm in a tank top, and he looks like he's totally naked right now. Honk if you're horny for hoops. It's Aaron Hagel. Hi, Joey. Hey, buddy. You look at, you're looking cool. cool. Thanks, man. Just got out of the shower. I do have shorts on, but no, no shirt. Uh, just sweating here as we all are in the Sherman Oaks heat. This is the best part about Zoom life. Nothing matters anymore. <laughs> we can see each other and yet nothing matters. And we can't even smell each other too, which is great. So we're bringing the boys back on because the playoffs have started today. Games are already underway. Games are happening right now. As we're recording this, Nets and Raptors are <laughs> locking horns, if you will. The Raptors are up 20 right now. It looks like that one's going to be put to bed. But we've already had a basketball game today that went to overtime. Really entertaining, high-scoring game between the Utah Jazz and the Denver Nuggets. Donovan Mitchell, 57 points. He was on it today. We're going to go to Choi first. Your first uh, initial thoughts on the Denver Nuggets-Utah Jazz game from today. I mean, again, it goes to this whole bubble play of just, like, scoring is just scoring is just scoring is just scoring. I mean, both Mitchell and uh, Jamal Murray, man. I mean, to me, they've always, for me, been kind of clone players of one another in terms of their gameplay. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, just them going head-to-head. And then, my God, Skinny Jokic is still killing it, man. He is still killing it. So, uh, yeah, it was fun to watch. And then, obviously, uh, you know, it went into overtime. And then, uh, you know, again, once again, indicative of, of the bubble play. Really sloppy. A lot of turnovers. And that's basically what lost it for uh, um, uh, the Jazz. So. Yeah, you had some hot performances in the game. But in the end, the execution wasn't really quite midseason form, if you will, or playoff form. Higgs, your thought on the game between the Jazz and the Nuggets today? Uh, yeah, I was, this is the, the game, and this is the first-round matchup I'm most excited about because I just think they're so even. The only bummer, you know, for the Jazz, Mike Conley just left his, uh, you know, he just, his wife had a baby, so he just left. He's going to be gone for the first couple games. And the big weapon they're missing is Bogdanovich. I mean, that guy is one of the best shooters in the league. So it's just kind of a bummer that Utah's not at full strength going against Denver at full strength, because that would have been even more fun to watch. But the game lived up to the hype, went to OT. Yeah, Mitchell had a huge game, and, um, yeah, it was super fun to watch. Yeah, one of those interesting moments, right, where Mitchell had everything going today, right? He had the step back three. He was absolutely ripping the net from outside. He was taking it to the hole. He was dunking on people, driving the hoop, getting his free throws. And in the end, you know, maybe that was – what sort of cost the Jazz the game? I hate to say it like that, but the dude had 57 points. It almost sort of felt like, you know, you know, Joel Ingles had a pretty decent game, but it felt like in the end it was Mitchell or bust on a lot of those possessions. And in the end, you know, what was it? I think three out of the four of the final last Jazz possessions turned into a turnover. You know, Mitchell tried to split the defense there, lost the basketball. You know, he finally got it into Gobert's hands. He drove to the hoop. And he, ta- he threw it away, too, as well. So it didn't really seem like they were in sync, despite Donovan Mitchell having such an amazing game. Higgs, hop in. You know, I was really surprised at how bad Gobert's hands were. There was a lot of times he got the ball, they gave him a good pass, and it went off his hands out of bounds, or he would bobble it. And I was, I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched a ton of Jazz this year. I've watched a few games, but I was very surprised how bad his hands seemed to be. Joy, Joy, jump in. 
No, I agree, Aaron. I, and I wonder if they still haven't adjusted to the sight lines in this new format. Um, because, I mean, again, that would go into why play has been so sloppy, why there's been so many turnovers. So, I, yeah, I don't, you know, I, 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 I'll never know. But obviously, when you have these giant video screens with video fans and all the different graphics they're, they're playing in, in, in lieu of a real stadium crowd, I mean, may, maybe there is still some adjustment in those sight lines. Although it hasn't hurt shooting. It hasn't was, hurt the shooting. I was going to say, great, great point and side note, you know, Gone are the days of, do you remember when the United Center first opened up and the, the home team of the Bulls teams, those shitty Bulls teams in the 99, 2000s, were bitching about how tight the rims were, about how the rims <laughs> were different and they weren't the same? You know, you don't really exactly hear that anymore. And obviously, this isn't anyone's home court. No one's really used to playing on this court with those sight lines that you're talking about, Choi. And no one really seems to be complaining. Everyone just seems to be shooting threes, and it seems to be working out pretty well for them, which is, which is an interesting thing. The thing I want to kind of throw at you guys real quick, watching the Nuggets-Jazz game, couldn't help but think, you know, Donovan Mitchell, 2017 NBA draft class, drafted 13th. Bulls took Laurie Market in 7th. Oh, I don't know. On the other guy, we've got the Nuggets, Michael Porter Jr. Didn't have a great game, but still scored 13 points. He's a starter. He's a rotation piece. Bulls passed on him, too, as well. You know, it kind of makes you think uh, those two guys look pretty good on the team right now. Who would you rather have on your team right now, Laurie Marketing, Wendell Carter, or Michael Porter Jr. and Donovan Mitchell? Uh, it could be rhetorical, but I'd love to hear your answer. Uh, Choi, we'll go first. I mean, it should have been Michael Porter. I mean, at the time, had it not been for the back injury, he was a potential number one pick. Uh, but I don't fault uh, the Bulls or any other team that passed him because you, you can't invest that high of a draft pick in a guy that has, I mean, not just like a small injury issue, but a back issue. You know, that's pretty major. Um, on, <laughs> I know, too. You guys know this will be the year the Bulls get the number one pick, right? In a year where there's no <laughs> consensus number one, uh, it, there's so much uncertainty because, you know, college season, high school season, camp season has all been canceled or abbreviated. You know, this is the year we're getting the number one pick. Now's the time. Uh, Hags, just your thoughts. And, you know, you're watching two guys that the Bulls kind of passed on in the draft, making things happen in this basketball game, and we're sitting at home. Your thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm a Donovan Mitchell fan. I, uh, it was last summer, I think, we had the, was it the World Championships, NBA uh, Basketball Championships, excuse me. Um, and I, I want to say Popovich was the coach, maybe. And he was raving about Donovan Mitchell. And he was saying, wow, this guy's better than I thought he was. He's a real leader. He's been working hard. So this year for our uh, fantasy basketball league, I drafted him, I don't know, maybe third or fourth round. A lot of people were passing on him. And I picked him up, and he played, he played great for me, man. He's, he's great. I love he attacks the rim. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., I agree with Troy. I mean, like, he'd have, he'd have busted back. You can't really draft him too, too high. Although I've told you guys before, I was shocked that the Clippers, they had two picks back-to-back. -back. I think it was 12 and 13. They picked uh, Shy Gilgis Alexander, cool. And at that point, I thought it was a no-brainer to pick Michael Porter Jr. Because why not? He's a th you know the next pick. Sit him on the shelf for a year. So can you imagine if the Clippers had drafted Michael Porter Jr. and that guy's coming off the bench for the Clippers? Forget about it. Like they didn't have enough size already to begin with. And look, I, I, I'm with you guys too as well. I mean, let's keep in mind, you know, Michael Porter Jr. did not play at all. You know, he sat an entire year and now has slowly been able to come back. And he probably wouldn't have even played this year if it wasn't for this bubble situation because the season would have been over. I mean, he was, he was back, but maybe playing, you know, four or five, six minutes a night. I guess the thing that kind of stings a little bit is I was sort of just hoping for the Bulls at one point to just, you know, try and buy that lottery ticket with one of these draft picks at some point. We keep drafting guys that are, that are stable 
dudes on the team, you know, the fourth, fifth, sixth best guys on, on playoff teams, which is great. But if your whole team is a collection of those players, how far does that get you? And speaking of lottery tickets, you know, the Bulls, it's not quite a lottery ticket. It's more like a, more like they took something, they bought a bunch of old bathroom towels from Target, and then they finally have gone back and returned it because Jim Boylan has been fired. Uh, it's finally hey. happened. Now, you know, do we have to get store credit? I don't know. We're going to have to find <laughs> out. Is there a third Boylan perhaps in the mix in our Bulls future? We'll see. You know, what, what, else, uh, what else can we really say other than jubilance, other than joy, excitement? You know, uh, I just want to hear your guys' initial thoughts on Jim Boylan getting the ax and a new page being turned in Chicago Bulls organizational history. Hags, go first. Uh, I don't think you'll find one Bulls fan that was uh, disappointed or sad that he got fired. I mean, there's no everybody... pushback. There's no Jim Boylan <laughs> zagging when everyone's zigging right now. <laughs> I don't think that would ever happen. Uh, I mean, Jesus, it was like two years too late, basically. But hey, at least he's gone. And hopefully uh, we get We get a, a good coach finally. Joy, Jim Boylan's out. Uh, your thoughts? Long time well, coming? I, uh, I think the lesson is don't hire a guy named Jim Boylan to be the Chicago <laughs> Bulls head coach because this is the second Jim Boylan who's been a failure as the Bulls head coach. Um, Fool me once. Yeah, yeah. Fool me once. I mean, what else is there to say? This guy, it was, it was just a joke. And the extreme arrogance, even as recently as like this weekend, he did not think he was going to get fired because he didn't think Arturis was going to take the risk of putting his job on the line by bringing in a brand new coach. So he <laughs> thought his job was still secure. I mean, the extreme arrogance of being that mediocre. I mean, I, I, God, I would love to have that confidence. Just the arrogance, too, and the disconnect in the organization of – when they hired him as the interim, like Paxton and the, and the, the higher ups actually thought that he connected with the players, that the players actually liked him. That was not true. That was fleshed out after like 48 hours. Once, once again, John Paxton reading the situation completely wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Reading the room, Pax's, Pax's book, taking the temperature of the situation, the Jim Paxton, uh, the John Paxton story. And you know what? I, I just think what's really nice about it is we don't even know who we're going to hire. I think it's just an exciting day for Bulls basketball because we're getting something new. We're getting something fresh. And at the very least, whoever we hire, doesn't matter who it is, it could be Vladi Divac and his carton of cigarettes. At least we could wrap our head around no. something that could be exciting. Higgs, <laughs> you don't want that? <laughs> no, Vladi. No, Vladi. I think Vladi might be out of the NBA for good. So Jim Boylan's out. I mean, that's really the only news that the Bulls are going to be, you know, really hitting the wire with for right now until they get that number one pick as choice set, which I absolutely cannot wait for. But let's talk <laughs> NBA playoffs. Let's talk in the now. You know, we've got some games going on today, games going on tomorrow. The first round is in full swing. And, you know, let's sort of let's stay away from the East West sort of thing. Let's kind of go in a broad sense. You know, you mentioned the jazz nuggets already. Higgs is a matchup that you're watching, you know, Troy, what's a matchup that you're looking at, or maybe a first round upset that you think could possibly happen. I think I might know where you're heading, but you let me know. Guys. I mean, I am on that Portland bandwagon till, uh, until, you know, they, they win that NBA championship and, and, and Dame Lillard throws that championship up above his head. Um, you know, I, as I've kind of, as we've shared, uh, uh, privately, you know, I think the, 
the the winner of the Lakers Portland series is going to be the NBA champion um, this year. So I, all my eggs are in the Portland basket. But you know, another uh, interesting matchup for me actually is actually in the East. I'm I'm really looking forward to that Miami Indiana game. Um, you know, uh, just with the ascendance of T.J. Warren, and we already know that he's got beef with Jimmy Butler, and you know, Jimmy Butler is going to show up if he's not charging twenty bucks for a cup of coffee. Um, you know, I think that matchup with an ascending Indiana team, Miami, who is you know, they're, they're, they're kind of a mid-tier favorite to win it all. So that, that's another matchup I'm really interested in. Yeah, TJ Warren, do you have Michelob Ultra commercials? No, you don't, because Jimmy Buckets does. Yeah, the most interesting thing about the Blazers, and it's kind of a bummer here on Betting Chicago, is that their odds have actually improved vastly over the last week or so. You know, the Sharps are in on the Blazers' action right now. They've already gone from plus 450 to win the first round to plus 375. So the payout's already kind of gone down there a little bit. And just looking at, you know, to win the NBA title, they have the exact same odds. They're at plus 2,500. The exact same odds as teams like, you know, the Denver Nuggets, um, you know, to win the West, they're plus 1,400. That number isn't that great for an eight seed. For an eight seed, usually that's where you're cashing in your Cinderella ticket. So, you know, already kind of people are hopping on Portland. Hey, what's a first-round matchup or an upset that you're kind of looking at besides, uh, you know, Nuggets Jazz that you already mentioned? Well, real quick, I was going to say, I'm, I'm pretty shocked Joey is betting against his favorite team, the Lakers, but I'm going to say <laughs> uh, the series I'm, uh, I'm also excited to watch, and I think the, it's going to be a first-round upset. Not a huge upset, but I got the Thunder over the Rockets in seven. It's a great call. Uh, Westbrook is out right now. He's hurt. D'Antoni's doing his small ball lineup, which may or may not work. Uh, they have not had a lot of success in the playoffs the past couple of years. Chris Paul is very motivated to torch the team that traded him. And um, I like the Thunder, man. They got a, they got a really fun team. Um, you know, Harden's the stud, obviously, in the Rockets. But I got, uh, yeah, I got Thunder over Rockets in seven. Even if Westbrook was in the lineup, I kind of like that as well as an upset. You know, yeah. the Rockets are going to play that small lineup, right? So immediately you're like, who, what, what's the size with the opponent? Steven Adams could be in for a huge series if Chris Paul can manipulate the, you know, the offense a little bit and get him the ball in the right hands. And all of a sudden now Gallinari can stay on the, can stay on the court for as long as he wants because they don't have to worry about – I mean, he's the stretch four. They don't have to worry about mixing and matching with bigs. He is the big now, which is super weird. Troy, hop in. Yeah, I was just going to mention with that series. That, yeah, that's a great pick, Aaron. Um, is there any series that – got hurt more from this bubble scenario than Houston OKC. Like, could you imagine that playoff that they actually had the chance to play in Houston and OKC with Westbrook going back to OKC and Paul going back to Houston? Yeah. I mean, that would have been so exciting, just the drama and the crowd reactions of both sides of the teams returning to their former – or the players returning to their former team. So. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. And just the concept of we're now being robbed of Westbrook and Chris Paul just going nose-to-nose with each other and barking at each other from 25 feet away it's just would be – all, all day long, I'd be watching that. Yeah. And, well, the then, last there, I read, and then there's basketball. Yeah. yeah, Westbrook is, at least, uh, he's attempting to come back this weekend. So it looks like he's only going to yeah. miss the first two games, if that holds true. But again, who knows at what percent capability is that, even if he does come back with that quad. So. Yeah, there's something about Westbrook that I don't understand. He could undergo, like, brain surgery and be back three days later. What is that yeah. about him? He's had, like, multiple knee surgeries, and, like, you're like, oh, he's getting his knee scoped. Hasta la vista for two or three weeks, and he's back in like four or five days. Um, he's a superhuman man. Yeah, and that's what's interesting, and maybe that's what sets up the upset, right, is if Westbrook does miss, let's just say, the first two games, at least if Oklahoma City 
splits and or takes those two games, he's coming back and the Rockets are already in a hole a little bit. Higgs, just want to ask you, you know, we all know James Harden's a great player, but it is the playoffs. It is time to talk about James Harden. Do you think he's, you think he's got what it takes? Do you think he's going to be able to have a good round? You know, he's going to have a good first round, you know, maybe go back to the Harden of old and the preceding rounds after that, you know, how do you handicap Harden in the playoffs right now? Yeah, I don't know. Historically, he's not that, he's not that great. Uh, so I guess, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if this bubble makes him any better, I guess, in the playoffs. Uh, I'm not a huge Harden guy or, you know, I respect what he can do. Um, but I'm just, I don't know. I'm not You're good on not fan. watching him shoot 28 free throws a game. Yeah. And like, you know, jacking threes and kicking his legs out and getting fouled. It's just like, eh. I just don't really like watching Houston play. I don't. There is another series that I'm kind of looking at. I don't know if the upset is possible. Let's just sort of throw it out there a little bit. Are you guys at all intrigued or tempted by this Clippers Mavericks series? Now, it's just, it's just Doncic has been so amazing in the bubble. You know, he's got some shooters around him. Porzingis has actually been playing well the last week. Is there any, any possibility that they could upset the Clippers? Or do you think maybe they, they win a couple of games and they get knocked out? Troy, you can go first if you want. I mean, as we have shared, we are all Luka lovers, right? I mean, we love Luka Doncic. The Luka lovers. He, he is the next coming man. I mean, think about that. He averaged a 30-point triple-double in the bubble. I mean, 30-point triple-double in the bubble. That's uh, a 21-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Youngest person to do it. And, and think about and it. he can't that, shoot threes yet. And Wow, geez. I mean. I know, I know. But I'm when not, he does, <laughs> but when he does, you know what I mean? Like, imagine when, he, when he's not shooting 31%, he's shooting like 38%. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, as it stands right now, I mean, his play is brilliant. And he's obviously elevated his teammates. Uh, as you said, Joey, I mean, Porzingis needs to show up. But ultimately, it's a one-man team. And a one-man team, much less a young, inexperienced team, which I don't, I don't know if that matters in this bubble scenario now. Usually, you know, experience definitely matters in what we see as a traditional playoff format, traveling and playing on the road and all that. But maybe it doesn't matter as much. But that inexperience is going to hurt them. And, you know, you got the experience of, Kawhi, I mean, just Kawhi's all world. I mean, as good as Luca is, Kawhi's just as good. So, and then he's got Chris Paul, and then I don't know if Harrell's uh, coming back yet. I don't know what his sit- situation is, but I mean, they're they're just they're they're deep, and Zubek is playing great. So, yeah, I just don't see them being the Clippers. Yeah, and of all the championship favorites, I would say maybe the Clippers have perhaps played the best out of that collection. So, far. I mean, they're not playing great, but they probably played the best out of that collection through the bubble. Higgs, you know, Clips, Mavs. Do you think the Mavs can win two games, one game, or no games? I mean, I don't think we're going with that they're going to beat them, but how many do you think they can maybe sneak away from the clips? I'm, I'm, I'm predicting the Mavs will be able to take two. Definitely one, maybe two. The thing I'm most interested to see is how the clips are going to defend Luka. Like, do you just stick Kawhi on him? And if so, I can't wait to see that. You got one of the best defenders going against one of the best offensive players. And, of course, Clippers are deep with their defense as well. Um, yeah, like Charlie was saying, like, Porzingis has been playing really well. Uh, Seth Curry can jack threes. I mean, they got some good pieces for sure. Um, but, I, you know, Clippers are just too strong. But, yeah, I'm really excited to see how they're going to try and guard Luka. The thought process would be you would at least maybe try and run Beverly on him early just to, like, piss Doncic off, maybe, like, get in his shirt a little bit, maybe see if you can throw off his game. But I think you're nailing it right in the head, Higgs. Like, when, when it comes down to crunch time or if they're running high screen and roll, you got to think it's going to be like the long arms of Paul George 
or Kawhi out there trying to sort of shut that down, cut off his lanes a little bit, and make him at least get the ball out of his hands at the top of the key instead of maybe getting a chance to drive and kick and all that other kinds of stuff. So, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting series. I just don't, I'm with you guys. I just don't think the Clippers are going to be able to pull it off. Let's look at the East for a second. Now, a lot to kind of unpack here, but, you know, maybe it's – Maybe we're overreacting. You know, the Bucks. let's be honest, have not played well in the bubble. The last couple of games, honestly, they were sort of cashing it in just so they could rest Giannis and get ready and, and, and get stacked up. I'm not saying that the Bucks are going to beat the, beat the Magic. Actually, you have to lay down $15,000 to earn any kind of money uh, on the Bucks in the first round. So we're pretty sure that they're going to make it out of the first round. But let's sort of play a game here. You know, even if you believe it or you don't, Help me try and make or give the audience a compelling case why someone other than the Bucks will win the East. You know, pick one team and, you know, kind of put it out there, make your case to see why that could possibly happen, what sort of scenario. Um, Troy, hop in and go first. Which team would you pick? I mean, it's the obvious call, and sometimes the obvious choice is, you know, you don't, you don't ever recognize it, but it's Toronto. It's Toronto. I mean, they have quietly been rolling along all season, whether it's the regular season or in the bubble. Their overall record is 53-19. and 19. They went 7-1 and in the bubble. I mean, Gasol's killing it right now. Obviously, you have Kyle Lowry and uh, uh, Siakam. I mean, it's, you know, they're a team that has won the championship. They're defending their title. So they have that championship, uh, you know, uh, that, that just that mentality and they're doing it without Kawhi. So I think that's also something to be said, because I think they have something to prove in that, hey, we, this just wasn't about Kawhi. You know, we are still a good team. And I think the key for um, it, hopefully an eventual matchup with the Bucks is that of the Bucks' one main weakness, they give up the most threes. I think they've given up the most threes in like NBA history. There's some kind of stat like that. Uh, uh, yeah, most threes made and attempted per game. So a per game average in NBA history. And... You talk about Toronto, they are the fifth-rated team in three-point percentages. Um, so, I mean, I think a team that shoots to three can really maybe attack one of the only few weaknesses that the Bucks have. So, yeah, I think Toronto is kind of the uh, uh, obvious pick, in my opinion. That's a great stat. And I think one of the underrated things, perhaps, about a Raptors-Bucks matchup would be it isn't exactly about, you know, who's going to guard Giannis, who's going to stop Giannis. I think he's probably going to get his, but it's probably the dueling of the two backcourts there, right? Like, Chris Middleton's going to be a huge X factor for the Bucks in the playoffs. And then you got Kyle Lowry and you got Van Vliet, who all of a sudden now have become, you know, a top five backcourt in the NBA, two dudes that can score and get hot. And like you said, hit some threes. Raptors right now currently are plus 400 to win the Eastern Conference. Higgs, hop in. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Choi. I was going to say the Raptors as well. I, I, I thought they were not going to be good this year. I really didn't think that they were going to do anything without Kawhi. But Siakam has completely proven me wrong. They have basically the same team. And I read a little bit about Nick Nurse. I didn't know. They, I get, the guy I've been coaching for a long time. And I didn't know that prior to, I don't know, a couple months ago reading that. Um, and there's one guy that they didn't have last year who's back because he was hurt last year, OG. Ananobi, who's not like, you know, end-all, be-all, but he is a good X-factor coming off the bench. He does a little bit of everything. And I think, too, you know, they got Serge and they got Mark Gasol, which can counteract the Lopez brothers. You know, those guys are veterans, smart, big, physical, smart players. And I think they're going to be a huge advantage uh, for the Raptors if they play the Bucks. Also with the Bucks, you know, the freak is he, he's prone to foul trouble. 
And one of the games I watched, one of the early bubble games, he had five fouls, and he committed another foul, but they didn't call it. They should have. And he would have been kicked out of the game, and they could have lost that game. He got, he oh, was, was that the coach's that. challenge? They went back and they, they looked at the challenge, right? And yeah. then they, didn't give it to, they gave it to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, it was a joke. And then, you know, he headbutted uh, Wagner the other, you know, last week. He got suspended the last game. So I think, if, I mean, if he gets hurt, you know, which is one thing, they're kind of screwed, but. You can get into his head. He is prone to foul trouble. He's not the best three-point shooter. He's not the best free-throw shooter. So if the freak is not having his normal awesome game, I think they are beatable, even though they do have other guys who I like. But I do think they are beatable. Definitely beatable. And you've got really interesting coaching matchup there in that series between Budenholzer and Nick Nurse, two very well-established coaches that are probably going to nip and tuck and try and look for weaknesses. Uh, Troy, you wanted to hop back in. Well, I was just thinking, since we are talking about Toronto, um, I, I don't want to tangent too much, but I was kind of thinking, and you guys even mentioned it with Fred Van Fleet, like who is that Fred Van Fleet this season? The guy who's kind of maybe, you know, Gary no Trent. Yeah, right, like no better than the team's third, uh, fourth option, but like really just turned it on and really kind of became the linchpin to making that championship run. So I'm kind of like, you know, because like at this point now, Fred Van Fleet's kind of, he's, you know, I – He's not a star per se, but he's now a solid, solid player. So I'm just wondering who's going to come out of, you know, that obscurity, kind of do it for their respective team this year. If you guys and that's any... been the thing with the Raptors too, is like, yeah, Siakam, can he do it again? Van Vliet, you know, flash in the pan, or is he real? All those dudes have turned into solid, you know, Van Vliet, solid basketball player, Siakam, borderline, AKA perennial all-star now at this point, moving forward. And now they've got themselves in a really nice position. Choi, I, I honestly thought at first, you're going to be like, the thing I wanted to ask you guys about Toronto is, do you want to move there? And I was going to think about it. Um, you know, <laughs> we'll see what happens in November. But, you know, maybe, maybe we'll move to Toronto. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not against it. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I'm with you guys in the Raptors. There's a part of me that wants to wrap my head around the Celtics. And here's my compelling case for the Celtics. They're plus 400 to win the Eastern Conference. And... You know, look at that roster, and if you look at it on paper, you go, why isn't this team, you know, the number one rival for the Bucks to go and win the Eastern Conference and make the finals? You know, why aren't they a little bit better? You know, you look at Kemba, you look at Tatum, you look at Jalen Brown, you look at Gordon Hayward. Those are all wing players that any team would like to have, and they've got four of them, right? I think the question for them right now, obviously, is it just doesn't seem like they can get it all locked in at the exact same time, so... Who exactly are you getting? You know, is Kemba, Kemba's had the knee trouble the whole time. Are you going to be able to get 100% from him? You know, are you going to get the best from Tatum at the exact same time that you're getting the play that you're getting from Jalen Brown right now, which is excellent, combined with Gordon Hayward? And then, you know, do they, you know, they have the size. It's not like they have productive size, but they have enough size to, I think, bang around and match up with the Bucks and perhaps the Raptors. But I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts. That It just seems like a team that's super talented that just, that just, can they gel right now at the right moment? Choi, hop in. Well, I, it's funny that you just mentioned the, the size thing, because I was actually going to say uh, before that, and maybe this is something we can discuss, that they don't have size. Sure, they have bodies, but it's like, who is, who's going to guard Joel Embiid? Enos Cantor? That doesn't strike any fear in, in, in me, and you know, much less if they ever get to play against the Bucks. So, yeah, I mean, they're kind of, to your point, uh, their, their gameplay is, is based around their guard play, their wings. So, but once you get inside, and again, this bubble scenario is totally different, right? But 
traditionally speaking, you get to the playoffs, you slow down the ball a little bit more, right? You're pounding the middle a little bit more. Your big men have a little bit more weight in terms of, you know, playoff games. So maybe that's all out the window with this bubble play. But yeah, I just, I don't see them having any kind of inside presence to go far in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely not from like a production standpoint or an offensive standpoint. I was thinking more like, you know, they've got Grant Williams, Enos Cantor, you know, they have bodies that can absorb fouls. And for teams that have size that like to utilize that, they can at least try and make it tougher on them. You know, Higgs, what do you think about Boston? Because I know what you're going to say. They don't have size. They got Taco Fall. Come on now. <laughs> Taco time, baby. Get him in there. We need it. Open up uh, the they, also have, uh, they also have Robert Williams with one of my favorite nicknames in the NBA, the Time Lord. I don't even 100% get that means, but I just love that his, his nickname is the Time Lord. Uh, get that guy some minutes. We got Danny Tice coming in there. Tice is nice. Yeah. Um, there you go. Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart, man. I, I was. I watched that dude at uh, Oklahoma State. He's like that bulldog, man, that every team would love to have. He's just, like, tenacious on D. Uh, you know, he doesn't really score too much. He's a good distributor, but I, I like him a lot. They're deep. Brad Stevens is a good coach. But the thing is, is, like, if they don't do anything this year, what do they do next year? Because this – I mean, this is their team, right? This is their coach. They've been – Danny Ainge has been putting this thing together. They got Kemba now. Who I, I like Kemba a lot, but like you said, he's got some knee issues. But let's say, I mean, this is, their, this is their healthy team now. And if they don't do anything this year, what happens next year? Well, next year, it's the exact same team. That's what and I'm they're saying. all a year older, you know. And, and Gordon Haywood, you know, maybe is another injury away from, from being off a court. And Kemba sounds like he has arthritis in his knee, which is just, my God, how do they sign these long-term contracts without knowing about that? That just kind of blows my mind that, you know, I love Kemba Walker as a player. I would have loved to have had him on the Bulls. I'm super glad that he got his money. But honestly, eight months after he signs that deal, you find out that you have perhaps an arthritic condition in your knee moving forward. You know, the Celtics kind of can't catch a break. It's super weird. They were that team six, seven years ago that had all these draft picks, seemed super smart. They were loading up on all these assets. And it's interesting. They kind of are eight, nine, ten deep or whatever. But there's flaws with each player on that team. You know, Jalen Brown might be my favorite player on that team, and that, that shouldn't happen. You know what I mean? He should be a fantastic number two, number three, but that isn't the case right now, and, and perhaps maybe that's why we're not picking him. I say good riddance, because as you guys know, I, it's the curse of the super team, man. That's going to come and bite you eventually, man. And you guys know I hate the super team formation, and they were kind of in this modern era, the team that started with getting Garnett and Ray Allen to uh, join up with Paul Pierce. So it's like, yeah, man, yeah, screw the, screw, screw the Celtics. <laughs> it is funny that you mention it, though. Like, every team that's attempted to have a super team, like, if you look at the Rockets uh, in the 90s when they tried to do Pippen, Barkley, and Drexler, they kind of fell off the map for a little, bit, why, a little while, and they had to rebuild with Yao Ming, right? If you look at a situation with the Miami Heat right now, you know, still decent team, but, you know, there's a ceiling on that team. We're not talking about them right now because we know that they're not really going anywhere, even though they have a really good coach. You know, they have some interesting pieces and a star in Jimmy Butler. Like, we know that they're not really doing anything. They're a little bit in purgatory. So, yeah, when you build that super team, and then even the, the Lakers. The Lakers fell off the map after the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, you know, Kobe uh, mix-up. So, maybe you're onto something, Choi. Maybe there's a little karma that's got to be paid when you're trying to do the super team uh, business. Higgs, hop in. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you slightly because of a team called the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Kevin Durant, <laughs> maybe one of the best scorers ever. Couldn't beat him, so he joined them with Steph and Clay and Draymond, and they just demolished everybody, man. I mean, that was 
super, super team. I mean, they had, they had three maybe Hall of Famers and uh, you know, fourth All-Star with Draymond. So that's the case where it kind of worked pretty well. Well, this but is a, pa- this saying, a paper, the time, yeah, paper tiger, paper tiger argument. Uh, they weren't good this year, but we all know why. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, look at that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, come on, real quick. I mean, you know, NBA draft lottery is coming up Thursday. Those guys are supposed to have the first, second, or third pick. I know. And they already have like a, a championship team. They just got lucky in a way that you know Clay and and stuff were out for the whole year. I mean, come on. And then they get. Wiggins, I mean, whatever. I mean, we'll see how he does. But still, you got Wiggins, Draymond, Steph, Clay, and a potential number one pick coming out. Those guys are going to be stacked next year, man. Yeah, I think they're going to be just fine. To be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too worried about them right now. And I kind of wanted to ask, you know, we're going to get into Blazers-Lakers in a second. But, you know, because the playoffs are starting today, I was wondering if maybe, like, we can kind of put together ourselves like a little makeshift uh, bubble all-star team here because the best part about this has been we talked about before it began we were we were excited about how it was going to look the aesthetic we were excited that basketball was back and one of the things we talked about was that the reason why the bubble was kind of created in the playing situation was created was because of a player like dame lillard and we were like you know what man dame lillard's gonna go off in this thing and lo and behold he has done exactly that right like at times averaging 45, 50 points a game for three, four game stretches in a row. And I think that's been perhaps one of the best part is these like little storylines of these players kind of hopping, hopping in there right now. So, you know, we've got Dame Lillard as a bubble all-star, you know, we've got Doncic. I think we've already kind of named those two already, you know, who are a couple other guys you'd like to just sort of maybe nominate for, you know, in that eight game stretch being, you know, one of the best basketball players to watch one of the funnest guys to watch out there. Go ahead, Higgs. I mean, we got to put Devin Booker in there now. For sure. I mean, he was money, especially that, that shot he hit over Paul George and Kawhi to win the game. The Suns went, what, 8-0, 9-0? Like, how bummed are NBA fans that those guys didn't get the playing game against Portland? Like, ah, uh, so disappointing. You, they go undefeated, and they, and they don't make it. And the thing is, it's like, even for next year, you're like, oh, these guys are going to be good next year. They got a year under their belt. They got a lot of confidence. How are those guys going to get in the playoffs in the West next year with Golden State coming back? There's no way. They're, they're, the West is still going to be so stacked next year. I just don't see how Phoenix gets in, even with how well they've been playing. Well, I, I'll tell you how I think they get in. You know, I think this playing scenario, I think it's got some juice to it. I mean, can we both, can we all three of us agree that this playing tournament has worked, right? Not only have we had Portland, a team that wasn't in it before, get in in the end, which is super fun. But then you have a team like Phoenix, a team that, you know, has been in the doldrums for the last four or five years. You hit it. They win eight, nine, ten games in a row, and all of a sudden, holy cow, Phoenix Suns fans, you know, get on your feet because you, you're all of a sudden, you're watching possible playoff basketball. I even think there's a way where, you know, you can turn it into a weekend and have maybe two, three, four teams kind of battle it out in some sort of single elimination scenario because I tell you, if that happened, the Phoenix Suns would probably be playing in this tournament, perhaps, you know, this week. You know, Troy, what do you think about how the playing situations worked with the tournament? And, you know, would you be open for maybe expanding, you know, that playing bubble style that we already have now maybe next year? 
Yeah, I thought it was super exciting because, you know, obviously at this time of year in a regular season, you get into that tanking mode and it's no fun to watch. These teams just tanking to like straddle for like draft position, even though that doesn't really matter the way they structure the draft uh, uh, moving forward. But I mean, I think even recently, I think Adam Silver said that this is something they are considering moving forward, not just in this this uh, this predicament uh, due to COVID. So, um, yeah, man, I, I think it was exciting. I think it's great. I think it keeps the competitiveness going you know, all throughout because like, it's just that it would, it would suck every given year where that, that there's the team that is potentially going for the playoffs, but then they're playing against a, a team that's tanking. And so they kind of lose their chance. So it's like, it's this, it's this reciprocal effect of like a lot of teams get, you know, screwed over when a team uh, tanks. So I, I really thought this was exciting. I mean, as, as we know, we were, man, we were texting back and forth through all this, you know, seeding games. So I, if yeah, so-and-so be so-and-so, if the Spurs mm-hmm. went to, you know, yeah. on and on and on, it got really fun. Higgs, hop back in. Yeah, I mean, I've told you guys for the past couple of years, I, I'm really an advocate of the top, one, you know, 16 best teams if it's Eastern or Western Conference. I mean, who wants to watch the Brooklyn Nets without Durant and Kyrie? They're not going to do anything. The Magic aren't going to do anything. Who wouldn't want to watch the Suns play instead of those guys? And the, and, the, and the reason why they don't do it is because of travel. It's really hard to do. However, being in the bubble, this would have been the, the year to do that, right? Because they're all there. You don't have to worry about that. And if you break it down, one through 16, those first-round matchups, even one versus 16, those are going to be bloodbaths, man. Like, awesome matchups. And I, I hope they do that in the future. They could even do something like, you know, like a, you know, a couple little bubbles or something so the teams don't have to travel as much. But, yeah, I don't care about Brooklyn playing this year, Orlando. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah, I think that would probably be the one addendum I would probably, you know, nominate to perhaps consider is what you're talking about exactly is going to a 16-team seed. And, you know, it's a situation where, you know, let's bring it back to Chicago. Let's say the Bulls were in this play-in scenario. You know, they fought their way in. They won those eight or nine games. They finally get in there. And then, yeah, they get slaughtered in the first round. And, yeah, maybe they have to go to L.A. and play a Lakers or a Clippers. You know, boo-hoo. But you get in. You know, that's, that's a part – that's the cost of doing business, right? Hop and Higgs. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the best team is the Bucks. The worst team that, that should have maybe got in were the Suns. Suns, Bucks, first round. Who wouldn't want to love to watch that? That would be so fun to watch. And then one of these years, it would actually happen where a 16-seed team, like in a March Madness style, would actually maybe actually beat one of these teams. And you could even do a first round where you can turn it into a best of five. If you're going to elongate, you know, the other side of the playing situation, maybe in that first round, you can go back to that best of five because let's be honest, these these first round matchups outside of the one or two, you know, the ones that we've mentioned today and some in the past have been exciting. But other than that, it's very ho hum. It's very much, you know, let's just sort of get through this. And I always feel like in the NBA, the second round of the playoffs is when, you know, the bell really rings and we start to see the cream of the crop start to rise. Um, Another all-star I wanted to throw in there real quick was uh, TJ Warren. Got to put TJ Warren on the bubble all-star team, right? I mean, the dude, absolutely amazing out of nowhere. Yeah, fantasy darling, right? Like out of nowhere, he's always sitting way down the waiver wire. And you're like, wait, this dude's averaging 19, 20 points a game. Why isn't he on a team? He's on my team now. Hey, hop in. Yep, that's I drafted TJ Warren in both my fantasy leagues this year. I wasn't like a huge, huge fan of his, but like where the draft guys had him, I was like, oh, I'll take a flyer on him. He tore it up for me, man. He was he played great. And now he's I mean, he's tearing it up big time, way, way better than I thought he was gonna do. But I did have some foresight and I did grab him in both my drafts this year. <laughs> yeah, the dude's just dude's just like a pure scorer, man. And you know, he was a free agent, by the way, Bulls fans, uh, in the offseason. But you know what? Tomas Sadaransky. We're good. 
We're good with all. We got Luke Cornette, guys. We got Luke Cornette. <laughs> Cornette for three and skips out of bounds. <laughs> Choi, go ahead. Well, I'm going to throw some unsung all-stars from bubble play at you, Joey. Because, I mean, obviously we've talked about Dame. uh, We've talked about Devin Booker, TJ Warren. You know, James Harden killed it as he would in an offensive-minded bubble situation. Kawhi killed it. Giannis killed it. Luka killed it. I'm going to throw some names at you. How about Brooke Lopez? Average 20 points, six rebounds, two blocks, shot 44% from threes. Your center shot 44% from threes. How about, you know, we kind of talked about him earlier, Fred Van Fleet, 18 points a game, four rebounds, seven assists, shot 41% from three. And then, um, you know, the other guy too that like, I, I really, you know, we, again, we talked about Jason Tatum, but he really turned it on too. 22 points, six rebounds, four assists a game. So, I mean, there, there, there's some guys who are, um, you know, and the question is, and you know, we talk about TJ Warren and the question I guess I have for you guys, you know, in some cases, are we, talking about a guy that we're watching before our very eyes that are transcending to another level? Or are we talking about somebody who just in a limited time has kind of, you know, obviously gotten really hot as any NBA player can. So in your opinion, is a guy like TJ Warren, did he make that ascent to another tier or is it just a a short time kind of situation? Um, I'll I'll hop in on this one first and then Higgs, feel free to jump in too. So my vibe with TJ Warren is he's one of those interesting players, right? Where, he was scoring points on a really bad Phoenix Suns team. And so you don't take him super seriously. You think maybe it's just an empty stats guy, you know, sort of who is this dude? He's not the focal point of the offense yet. He's still kind of scoring really interesting, talented comes over to Indiana. And now in this bubble situation is starting to light it up. I don't know if it necessarily solidifies him into, you know, a fringe all-star or a dude that you build your team around. But I think what is sort of starting to happen is he is starting to lose the stink of a losing offensive player. And I think slowly is becoming a guy that you are going to want. Like he, you're, he's a guy that you're going to want on a good team, on a good playoff team. And, you know, three, four or five years down the road from now is going to be able to get you 14, 15, 16 points a game in a playoff game, in a game three, in a game four. I think hopefully that's what he's ascending to. I know it doesn't sound super great, but I think in NBA context, I think that's actually pretty damn good. As opposed to being like, you know, on the Timberwolves, you know, just scoring 17 or 18 a game and like being the last person called during the home starting lineup introductions because you're the only good dude on the team. Like, I think a lot of dudes' careers unfortunately end up there. Cough, cough, D'Angelo Russell. And I think he might be a little bit better than that. I think he might be a dude that could perhaps help a team that is substantial, that actually means something uh, moving forward in the future. Higgs, what do you think? Yeah, well, I, I think he had to step up because Oladipo is not the guy that he was before he got hurt. I mean, he came back and he wasn't sure if he was even going to play in the bubble. I think he went down there to kind of like test it out and he said, yeah, I'll play. But he's, he's not the same player he was and Indiana doesn't really have anybody else to step up. So I think just out of necessity, TJ Warren put on his shoulders and he proved he can do it uh, earlier. Going back to what Choi was talking about earlier. It is going to be a really fun matchup to see Jimmy go against TJ Warren. You know, being Bulls fans, I don't know. I think we'd all agree we still love Jimmy. One of my all-time favorite Bulls players. And he's awesome, man. So I'm just really, really excited to see if he can get in his head. And we'll see what happens. If TJ Warren, if, if Jimmy's putting the clamps on him and TJ's still scoring on him, hey, man, hats off. And maybe he is moving up to that next tier. But if Jimmy contains him, I, I don't know. He's still a good player, though, for sure. Sure. And, and real quick, who do you got winning that series, Higgs, uh, Heat or Pacers? Uh, I got the Heat. Sabonis is not playing for the Pacers. I think 
it's a big factor that he's not he's not playing. Um, once again, I was totally wrong about Sabonis uh, going to the pros. I thought he was going to suck. He's totally proven me wrong. Um, and, but I just think without him and Oladipo not being, you know, the player that he was, I'm, I think it's going to be really hard to beat Miami um, in that first round. Yeah, and with Jimmy Butler, at least you think if you got a couple of tight games, Jimmy Butler is going to hit those big shots in the end and perhaps carry them. You know, we'll see if that TJ Warren can do the same and answer the call. But I do see that he probably sneaking past there. You know, we're almost uh, we're almost out of time, gentlemen. So I think it's time to put our nuts on the table, and I think <laughs> it's time to make our finals picks. Some time to make our championship uh, our championship choices here. Obviously, it's the beginning round of the playoffs, so we're going to get it on the board right now. As we move along, we're going to be talking, you know, per round about the NBA all the way through. So, obviously, our picks will change as, as our team's choices perhaps get eliminated. But let's do it right now at the very top so we can say that we are right. We can say that we were smart. Who do you got going to the finals, and who do you got winning the finals today? On Monday, the first day of the playoffs, we're going to go to Choi first. Michael, make a choice. Uh, I'm ready to win some money. So I am obviously, as you know, choosing Portland as my Western Conference representative. Sticking with it. I love it. And it's proved you correctly. You've looked extremely <laughs> smart to this point. And, I, and I'm teasing, you know, I'm teasing what I said earlier. I think Toronto's got a chance to make it to the finals. I know the Bucks are the overall favorite to win it all. But, you know, uh, I, I, I would have no complaints if it's Toronto versus Portland in the NBA finals with Portland winning it all. Although I will look pretty stupid if in a week's time the Lakers move on to round two but uh yeah man if I'm filling on a bracket Portland is my championship team man Portland and Toronto that's a hipster's paradise man <laughs> that's a that's an indie that's an indie rockathon if I've ever heard it before and I love it I think that matchup would be amazing honestly I mean they've got some interesting bigs like They've got vets on the team where it'd be like a Nurkic versus Ibaka situation. You'd have a white side coming off the bench going against the old veteran Gasol. Two backcourts that are really interesting. And then Melo and Siakam. I, I say advantage Siakam probably there for right now. But I think that'd be a great final series. And uh, I, I don't mind the pick. I mean, of all the years in the NBA, you know, the NBA is so hard to, like, have a hot take on. Or, you know, it, it ends up being chalked so many times. And I do think of all the years to possibly think that something weird or wonky can happen, this is a thousand percent that season. So I, I like where your head's at, and I like I like you're putting your balls on the table there on that one. That's fantastic, <laughs> Higgs. What are you thinking? Who are you picking to go to the finals, and who are you picking to win it all? Uh, well, I'm going to change it up, man, because when we did this the, the last podcast, um, I predicted the Bucks, but man, they've really I think shocked a lot of people how poor they've been playing, and Man, I just think they got screwed out of any team going into the bubble. Best record by far. They would have had home court advantage throughout the entire playoffs. And when you're playing in your home stadium, that is a huge advantage. But now you're in a neutral site, and that's just totally gone, even for, like, the Lakers. The Lakers have been to the playoffs in, what, six or eight years or something? Staples would have been rocking for those Lakers games. And if it was Lakers against Clippers, even for a Clippers home game, as you guys know, there's always more Lakers fans. So the Lakers and the Bucks, I think, got really kind of, you know, unfortunately screwed um, with the <clears throat> going to the bubble. So I'm, I'm going to pick Toronto going out of the East, which I, once again, I would never have said at the beginning of the season. And coming out of the West, I got the, I had the Clippers the whole time coming out of the West. Um, so I think it's going to be Clippers-Toronto matchup in the finals. 
And I think uh, I'm picking I'm picking Raptors over Clips. I think they they know back Kawhi. to back champs, huh? Nice, nice. I think they're gonna repeat. Yeah, why not? Um, that would be yeah, wild. Think- no one see no one would see that coming. And honestly, that would be one of the sweetest. And we would count that championship 110 percent right if they went back to back during this time. That'd be incredible. And I think they match up really well. They're both deep. They're both good on defense. And it's going to be, yeah, I think it be super, super fun matchup. That's great. I'm, I'm going a little bit, probably a little bit more chalk here than I would like to, but I still think the Bucks are going to make the finals. I know that they haven't been playing well. I just sort of feel like this is one of those ascension years for Giannis where he's not going to play great every single game. I think it's going to be enough in the end to take down some of these teams. I really want to take a team like Boston or something, but I just, they're just not playing well and they're not cohesive enough right now for me to think that they'd have that little intangible edge. And I just think it may be, you know, it's Giannis's time. I do not see the Bucks winning the finals. I think it's going to be Bucks Clippers all along. I was thinking that the Lakers were going to be able to pull it off. I thought this, you know, this bubble situation was perfect for LeBron to come in and reestablish himself as perhaps the best player in the game and take over some games and dominate hasn't really happened their backcourt is a total mess right now their their rotations are kind of all messed up and i just don't see them perhaps like making it all the way there so i'm thinking bucks clippers right now and i gotta be honest i think the clippers are gonna do it they sort of have the pieces paul george is playing pretty well we'll see if playoff p keeps up that production but you've got Kawhi. you've got Kawhi in a short span short stint of time he's got 100 percent. the gas tank is full They've got defense in the backcourt. And, you know, if they get Harold back too as well, he's a really interesting, you know, hybrid piece off the bench. I, I kind of, I'm kind of feeling Clippers right now. And I know that sounds like chalk, but that's sort of how I feel. You know, real quick before we go, you know, we're, we're, we're discounting the Lakers. And, Choi, I know you don't like the Lakers, but, you know, from a, from a perspective, no, just from a perspective of like on the court action right now, you know, what do you guys see from them? you know, obviously that isn't working, you know, what is going on? They're just falling down. You know, no one's picking them anymore. You know, their odds are getting juicier and juicier to bet on, you know, I mean, Troy, you're picking them not to get out of the first round. You know, why, why is that? Maybe not just because Portland is so good, but what's going on with the Lakers right now that makes you think they're not going to get out of that first round? Well, for me, it just comes down to like their roster had been thin as it was obviously from the very start, it was built around, you know, AD coming to the team this year, joining LeBron, right? And then, you know, they have pieces who like, you know, Avery Bradley doesn't sound like a, you know, a, a huge ad, but it's like, he, he, you know, he was a defensive stopper, you know, same thing with like Rondo, like, well, he's not what he once was, but obviously that was a piece. So just in general, their, their, their roster is so thin, especially now in the bubble. Um, but, you know, again, you can't, you can't count out LeBron, right? You cannot count out LeBron. Um, so to me, it'll, it'll ultimately come down to one depth. I think Portland has the depth over the Lakers and then two, it'll be an interesting kind of philosophical, um, matchup because it's like, what's better in a playoff situation, especially in this bubble situation, a front court or a back court. Cause right. That's Portland strength is their back court. Obviously the Lakers strength is their front court. So it's kind of, it'll be an interesting philosophical, uh, matchup to see, you know, in this environment, what is more vital and, and let's face it, there's nobody hotter. I mean, you could have said Phoenix, but they didn't make it in. So there's nobody hotter than the Portland Trailblazers right now. So if, if, if they're going to go on a run, this is the perfect time for them to do it because they are extremely hot right now. 
and that's the thing. It's all it's all coming together, right? Where they're not playing well, and they get the most perhaps most scariest first round matchup they could possibly get. Where who is going to guard Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the backcourt? You know, I see situations where you know they're going to have to put like Caruso and Quinn Cook on like Kuzma, or I'm sorry, Quinn Cook and Caruso on a guy like Melo or something, just because they have to run LeBron up on Damian Lillard 45 feet out from the basket. It's going to be a huge problem. Higgs, I want you to hop in and, and also help us answer, you know, why do you think the Lakers are going to come up short this year? Yeah, I agree with Choi. I mean, just the, the roster construction, like they got a, I don't know, a bunch of older guys who are, you know, they're, they're good. You know, they're veterans, they're smart players, um, but they're not that deep. However, they have LeBron and they have my favorite player in the NBA, Anthony Davis. So you're talking about who can guard, you know, CJ, who can guard Dame. You know, a lot of time when you watch Portland, they set picks and, and the other team will switch. You know which big man can guard those guys? Anthony Davis. That guy's fast. He's big. He can keep up with those. Is he as fast? No. But as far as big men go, I'd, I'd take him all day long guarding those guys because he can do it. That guy does everything, man. Double-double machine, a couple blocks, a couple steals. Good free throw shooter. He'll hit a three, very low turnovers. He's, to me, the, the complete package. So if him and LeBron run two-man game all day long, which they can do, it's just hard to beat those two guys, man. And those two guys, I think, can carry the Lakers forward. It's going to be – I mean, yeah, they got, they got the Rust number one seed maybe ever. Um, and it's going to be tough for them. But I think, I think they will be able to take care of Portland. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I feel Portland a tiny bit out of gas. I mean, they had to leave everything on the court just to get where they're at. Uh, don't ever doubt Dame and CJ and Portland. They got everybody back. It's going to be a battle, but I think I think the Lakers are going to beat them. The hardest part about that is going to be weathering the storm in those first couple of games, especially that first game because Portland's riding all the momentum right now. The Lakers aren't playing very well. You know, not that they're like second guessing themselves, but they haven't played quality basketball in a little while. It's hard to sort of just turn that on automatically, especially when you're a new team with a collection of new players. Final question for you guys. Over under 2.5 quarters before Hassan Whiteside and Dwight Howard each get double technical fouls. <laughs> uh, under. For forgetting Chip. <laughs> Me too. Dang. That's the Believe in uh, Betting Chicago gamble of the week. I'm telling you right now. Those two are both going to go in the game and be like, ooh, it's the playoffs. I must act like a playoff basketball player. Therefore, I'm going to get chippy in the paint. I'm going to set the tone in the paint. And no one cares about them. They're just going to have some sort of weird little, like, it's like two brothers, like, punching each other in the leg, giving each other, like, Charlie horses and stuff in the corner. It's like, gentlemen, just like, let's just play the game. Choi, over under 2.5 quarters. Oh, God, uh, uh, under. The only, the only way it would, be, it would be worse is if Rasheed Wallace was still playing for Portland, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, exactly. I, I will say this, man. I mean, LeBron and AD 100% are on another level, right? But at least Portland has guys that can kind of play with them, right? And, and Nurkic and Whiteside, as you mentioned. But, like, who – Alex Caruso is going to stop, you know, Dame Lillard or CJ McCollum? I mean, Lakers don't have anybody that can stop their guards. At least Portland can do some things with their players to match up against the bigs on the Lakers. So, uh, that yeah, I just – yeah, oh, God, I just – yeah, Rondo was, Rondo was cleared to practice. They don't know if he's going to be able to be get into game shape in time for the first couple of games of the series, but you should probably see him in the series. I don't know what that's going to do other than, you know, another body of veteran presence, a dude just to run at those guys and see what you can do. Gentlemen, my hoops honchos, the board is set. The pieces are moving. 
the journey has begun. <laughs> is the NBA playoffs, and this was your NBA playoff preview right here on Believe in Betting Chicago with Mike Choi and Aaron Hagel. Thank you so much for joining me, you guys. Great talking hoops. Yeah, we're going to come back. We're going to keep uh, checking in with you guys as the playoffs progress each round, all the great games, all the great performances. It's going to be talked about right here on Believe in Ben in Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening to the episode. we got plenty more coming this week. We're still talking baseball. We're going to be talking fantasy football in the next couple of days. So we got a little bit for everybody. So make sure you stick around and check that. Until then, be safe, be well, be kind, be good to each other, all that good stuff, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.